Good morning. I'm glad to be here with you today. We are talking today about one of the commands in the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not kill. I was talking to someone last week and he said, that seems to be pretty straightforward. Seems like this may be the shortest sermon of the year. Here at Denton, all you have to do is stand up and say, don't kill anybody, and you're done. But really, we're going to talk about, uh, about this command, and I believe there's a whole lot more involved in thou shalt not kill than just thou shalt not kill. Uh, we shouldn't kill, but that can mean a lot of things. You know, today is an anniversary isn't it? Anniversary of 9-11. Jacob was two years old. Two years. He was two weeks old when 9-11 happened. The attacks on the Twin Towers. I don't remember the number, but it was somewhere over 3,000 who were killed that day. That was a direct violation of this command. The murder rate, as I understand, just doing some research about this, in 25 of the 100 largest cities in the United States, the murder rate is soaring. In Chicago, there have already, through the month of August, been more murders than there were all year last year. Why is that? Do you know anyone who's been murdered? Does anyone here know anyone who's been murdered? I do. Got some friends that live in Pearland, Texas. Lanny and Melissa Keel. They had a daughter. Graduated high school and decided to go to Germany. Just to go to Germany and study over there. Be away from the United States. Experience different things in life. She met someone while she was over there, a young man from Greece. He stabbed her over 200 times before he did other terrible things to her body. They caught him, put him in mental institute, supposedly for the rest of his life. She was young. She was just getting started in her life. I don't know many people who've been murdered, thankfully, but murder is a, is a terrible, terrible thing. Now, you'll notice I'm talking about murder. Most people have been touched in some way by some form of murder, even the family of God. Because God's own Son, Jesus, was murdered. So when we talk about not breaking this command, when God gave this command, I want you to think about this. When God gave this command, He gave this command knowing that His own Son would be murdered in direct violation of this command that He was giving. Now you notice I keep saying murder. I don't keep saying kill. In the old King James translation of your Bible, it says, Thou shalt not kill. In fact, it's what I put at the top of my notes. Thou shalt not kill. Because that's what we're going through these commands. And that's the way I learned it. Thou shalt not kill. But killing is not necessarily the same thing as murder, is it? And this command is not necessarily telling us don't kill at all. 
And we're going to talk about how we know that. To start with, the Hebrew word that's translated kill there in all the newer translations is translated murder. And that's because the word specifically means to kill, slay, or murder, to dash in pieces. That's what that word means. And it's talking about murdering someone. It's not talking about defending yourself if someone attacks you. It's not talking about war. It's not talking about a lot of different things. What it's talking about is you going and unlawfully killing someone else. You know, in the New Testament, there's a story about a young ruler who was very wealthy, a rich young ruler. And he came to Jesus and he said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you know what Jesus told him? Well, first he said, don't call me good. Why are you calling me good? Because only God is good. And this young man probably wasn't ready to recognize Jesus as God at this point. But he said, what you need to do is keep the commandments. And do you remember what the guy said? He said, what commandments are you talking about? And Jesus quoted from the Ten Commandments. Although, you know what Jesus said? Thou shalt do no murder. He didn't just say don't kill. He said don't murder. You see, murder is a different thing. In fact, we find in the Bible, the very next chapter after Exodus 20, where this command is given, thou shalt not kill, Jesus says, if somebody commits this crime, put him to death. And if he commits that crime, put him to death. And if he commits another crime, put him to death. There's a whole list of crimes in there. Everything from striking your mother and father to killing, committing murder. He says, put them to death. You remember the story of the guy they caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath day? God had said, don't do any work on the Sabbath day. They catch this guy out there picking up sticks. Moses arrests him and says, God, what do you want us to do with him? He said, take him out to the edge of camp and throw rocks at him till he dies. That's killing, isn't it? So, is God going to command you in one chapter, don't kill, and the next chapter, kill? Is God going to... Well, that doesn't make sense. What's God talking about? Well, He's talking about murder. He's not just talking about taking someone's life. It's not just capital punishment that He talks about, though, because all these laws that we talked about, the guy picking up sticks and all the times that God said kill someone, those were, by and large... Capital punishment. In the New Testament, we find the same thing. Paul says in Romans chapter 13 that we're to obey the laws of the land because the government, the civil government, is God's minister to execute wrath on them that do evil. And you know how he said they were going to do that? The Roman government? He said they don't bear the sword in vain. Now, you know what the Roman government did with the sword to execute wrath on evildoers? You think they'd shake it at them and say, don't you do that again. You think that's what they did? No. What they did is they cut off their heads. They killed them with the sword. You may not like capital punishment, but in fact, you may argue against capital punishment. If you do, though, you will do it without the Bible because the Bible does not teach that capital punishment is murder and the Bible doesn't teach capital punishment is wrong. When he talks about not murdering, he's not talking about capital punishment. Now, someone says, well, you know, sometimes they get innocent people and kill innocent people. That's right. Sometimes that happens and it's not okay when that happens. But the alternative is to have no system of justice, and that's not any better. 
There has to be a system of justice. And God has ordained the civil government for that. Another thing that God has ordained is just war. God has ordained just war. He sent Israel to war many, many times. Do you remember the story of Gideon? We tell that to our kids, don't we? About Gideon and how he laid out the fleece and God said, I want you to go. And he took his trumpets and he blew. God sent His people to war many times. Now, there is unjust war. There are times when some dictator tries to use his troops to just take over someone else and capture and steal their, their uh, natural resources, things. That, that's, that happens. But this command has nothing to do with war. This command is not talking about do not go to war. In fact, in the New Testament, we find that John was preaching one time and he said, you need to bring forth fruit worthy of your repentance. You know what that means? That means if you repent, you say, I've repented. That means it needs to show in your life. Something needs to be different, right? Is that what repentance means? Yes. He said, you produce that fruit. And people begin to ask him, well, what does that mean? What does that mean to us? And some soldiers came to him. And they said, John, what does that mean to us? How can a soldier produce fruit worthy of repentance? And you know what John said? He said, you better quit the army and get out because you're not supposed to kill anyone. Is that what John said? No. Luke chapter 3. Those of you who are familiar with the passage, Luke chapter 3. He said, don't use your authority to extort money from other people. Don't take advantage of people and be content with your wages. He didn't tell them to quit the army. He didn't say, no, have nothing to do with that. What he said was, don't abuse the power that you've got and don't abuse the position that you have. You see, this command not to murder doesn't have anything to do with lawfully defending our nation against invaders and against people who would do evil. It doesn't have anything to do with enforcing the laws of the land to keep evil in check so it doesn't just run rampant in the world. It has nothing to do with those things. Do you know why murder is sin? In the book of Genesis chapter 9, I want to read this. Normally I have my verses up here on the PowerPoint, but we don't have that, so we're just going to turn and read a couple of them. Genesis chapter 9, Jesus, not Jesus, but God tells, uh, tells Noah after he's come off the ark, He says this, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. Now think about that. Whoever sheds man's blood, by his blood shall, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. What that says very simply is this. It's wrong for me to murder someone. Because when I strike, if I were to strike at John here, you're on the front, so I'm going to use you. If I strike at John here, I'm not just striking at a manager of a restaurant. I'm not just striking at a father or a husband. You know what I'm striking at if I strike him? I'm striking at the image bearer of God. And that's a problem with God. Because when you strike at those who bear His image, you're striking at Him. You see, God has placed His image in all people. 
And it's because He's placed His image in all people that whatever I do to other people affects my relationship with God. That's why Jesus could say, when you went and visited someone in the hospital, you were visiting me. When you were feeding the hungry, you were feeding... Why? Because Jesus was hungry? No. But because those people bear the image of Jesus. They bear the image of the Almighty God. So when I commit murder, the reason that's sinful, the reason that's wrong is because I am striking in anger and hatred or evil at one who bears the image of the living God. Now that's something that's a serious problem to God. It's something that He doesn't overlook and something He's very plain about. But the other day, you all know I teach... uh, Bible and biology in a private Christian school in Frisco. Some of you know that. When I walked in the other day, that we have a big marker board in there, and written on the marker board was, they killed Harambe. They murder in the fam. Now, do you all know who Harambe was? You, you know who that was, don't you? Harambe was a gorilla. And a little three-year-old child crawled into a gorilla cage and fell down where the gorilla was in a zoo. And that gorilla grabbed that kid by the leg and was dragging him around like he was a rag doll. You know what they did? They shot the gorilla and killed it. You know why they did that? To save the child. So he says, well, maybe he wouldn't have killed the child. Maybe not. But maybe he would have. Well, why didn't they just use a tranquilizer? Well, you know, it takes 20 minutes or so for a tranquilizer to put one of those things down. It makes him angry. You don't want to do that. Is it murder to kill a gorilla? Or, y'all remember Cecil the lion that the dentist went over and shot? Was that murder to kill a lion? There was a, just this last week I saw a deal on the news about a young girl who she and her father went on a hunt in Africa. And she posted some pictures of her standing. She killed a zebra and a giraffe and a wildebeest. And she posted pictures on Facebook and internet or social media of her with these kills. She has received death threats. She has received... It's unbelievable the things that people have said to her about killing that animal. People have said, I hope they shoot you in the head. People have said, I hope they catch you and skin you alive. Horrible things. Is it wrong to kill an animal? Well, the Bible says it's wrong to be cruel to animals. It does say that. We should never be cruel to animals. But it's not wrong to kill a gorilla or giraffe the same way it would be wrong to kill a human. You know why? Because it's not an image bearer of God. Harambe does not bear the image of the living God. But people do. And to kill a person is different than to kill an animal. The life of a child is always more valuable than the life of an animal. That's the reason I believe that it's equally wrong in the New Testament to hate. Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder... I tell you, if you're angry with your brother without cause, you're guilty of judgment. Just like the people who commit murder 
or in fear of judgment. Why would that be? Have you ever been angry with someone without cause? You might say, nope, I've been mad, but there was always a reason. <laughs> there was always a cause. Right? You know, the problem with, with our, our reasoning is this. After 9-11, there were people who attacked Middle Easterners here in the United States. People who attacked Muslims here in the United States. There are people who hate other people because of the color of their skin or because of their religion. They don't have a reason to hate that person other than the fact that they've got a color of skin I don't like or they've got a little dot on their forehead or they are different in some other way. That's hate. That's being angry with people without a cause. And God says that's just as wrong as actually killing them. Why? Because that person, be it a Muslim or a Hindu or a Christian or an atheist or anyone else, that person bears the image of the living God. And for me to hate, he says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15, he says, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life dwelling in him. Hatred is never, ever right. Why? Because I'm hating one who bears the image of the living God. And that's not what God wants from me. And it's not what God wants from you. You see, He requires people who have truth on the inward parts. And so for me to be angry at people I don't know because of something other people that I didn't know did is being angry with them without a cause. And it's no more right for me to do it than it was right for that guy to hide in that parking garage and shoot cops because he was angry at them without a cause. There's nothing those people had done. He was angry about something that someone else had done. You know, when you talk about not killing, to Christian people, one of the first things that comes up, the first things that crosses most people's mind is abortion. The abortion statistics are staggering. In the United States in 2005, there were 1.21 million abortions. They've come down since then. They're just under one million abortions per year now. Since Roe versus Wade, there have been over 56 million abortions in the United States. That's more than the population of several states put together. That's more people than have died in the same period of time from heart disease and cancer together. There are in the United States, on average, just a little over 3,300 abortions every day in the United States. What is abortion? Abortion is killing a child before it's born. That's what it is. You know, the Scriptures do talk about this. In Hosea chapter 9, there's a passage that uh, that is... I think pretty, to me it's very convincing that God teaches that uh, unborn children are actually children. They're not just a 
part of the woman's body like another organ, like a liver or a kidney. And they're not something like an animal who will ultimately develop into a human, but they're human. They're a little human, but they're human. Scripture says, and this is God talking to Ephraim, they've, they've been wicked and God says the time of, per, of punishment's come. You've done wickedness. The time of punishment has come and I'm, I've had it with you and I'm going to punish you for all the evil that you've done. And I want you to listen to how God says they would be punished. In Hosea 9 verse 11, He says, As for Ephraim, their glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth no pregnancy, no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them to the last man. Yes, woe to them when I depart from them. Just as I saw Ephraim like Tyre planted in a pleasant place, so Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. He says, Ephraim, your children are going to be murdered. He says, how's that that going to happen? He asks that question. He says, give them, O Lord, what will you give? And listen to his answer. Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. He calls a miscarriage a death of a child in that passage. It's what he does. He calls it the death of a child. It is that. The word that's used in Hebrew to describe an unborn child still in its mother's womb is the same word that's used to describe a child after it's born. You remember in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew chapter 18, there were a bunch of little children that came to Jesus. And remember, His disciples began to rebuke Him and say, or rebuke the children and say, get away from Jesus. The Bible says they were little children. That's the exact same word that's used when God describes John the Baptist before he was born in his mother's womb, when the Bible says that when Mary showed up, the child leapt for joy. It's the same word. The same word means an unborn child and a young-born child. You see, in Scripture, constantly, God recognizes that a child, whether it's been born or not born, is actually a human being. It is a child. From the time of conception, it's a child. And in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, God says this, There are six things I hate, yea, seven are an abomination to me. And He lists a lot of things, but one of the things that He lists are hands that shed innocent blood. And I want you to know there is nothing any more innocent than an unborn child. That unborn child has done no evil. It's done no wrong of any kind. And to shed the blood of an unborn child is a wrong thing. It's a a terrible thing and it's something that God teaches should not be done when He says don't commit murder. Another thing I want to mention briefly is this. Euthanasia. Do you all know what the word euthanasia means? Euthanasia means good death. That's what the word means. It means good death. And the idea behind euthanasia is this. We all have a right to live when we live and die when we choose to die in a manner that we choose to die in. We all have that right. 
And it is my life. I remember as a high or as a college student, I took a class, and they made us watch a, a movie. And the movie was called Whose Life Is It Anyway? And the whole point of the movie, the whole idea of the movie was this. There was this guy, and he had an incurable disease, and he wanted the right to commit suicide with the assistance of the physicians that were there in the hospital. And there was this big court case over it. And this big court case, the whole movie is about how he was fighting for the right. It's my life. I have a right to end it when I want to end it. You can't tell me that I can't do that. That was the whole thing. Does someone have a right to end their own life? Does someone have a right to commit suicide? Or is suicide wrong? Well, I believe the Bible does speak to that. You know, we find examples in Scripture of people who committed suicide. Judas was the one that immediately comes to my mind when he realized what he'd done to Jesus and that Jesus was condemned. The Bible says he took the money back and they wouldn't accept it. So he threw it at their feet and he went out and hung himself. He committed suicide out of regret and dis- depression for the things that he'd done. What about suicide? You know, when I was young, I used to think, okay, well, when you commit a sin, you have to ask forgiveness to be forgiven. And so if you commit suicide, you'd want to do it like a really slow way so you could ask forgiveness before you died. You know, so like jump off a really tall building so you could say, please forgive me on the way down. I, that's the way kids think. The reality is suicide isn't a laughing matter. It's a problem in America. Do you know anyone who's committed suicide? Have you known people? I have. My best friend in high school, after I graduated and he went on his way a couple of years later, he committed suicide. Went out into the woods with razor blades and cut his wrists. Laid there and died. Suicide, is that wrong? Isn't it his life? Shouldn't he have a right to do that? You see, Romans chapter 14 talks about that. And his discussion is not really directly about suicide, but his discussion is about how we judge one another. And his argument is this. Michael, don't you judge Kent for eating food offered to an idol. If you don't want to eat that food offered to an idol, then don't eat it. Praise God that you know an idol isn't real and you're only serving the real God. But if Kent wants to eat food offered to an idol, Kent, you praise God that you know that idol's nothing and that it's just food, right? That's what he's talking about. He's saying you don't judge each other because... And his linchpin argument is this. Kent isn't my servant. If he belonged to me, I could judge him. But he doesn't belong to me. Who does Kent belong to? Christy, right? No. <laughs> Who does Kent belong to? He belongs to God, doesn't he? He belongs to God. And that's Paul's argument here. His linchpin argument is this. He says, no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself for whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Now let me ask you a question. Does Kent have a right to live for himself? Live any way he wants for himself? I say, well, in America we have that, right? Spiritually speaking. Does God say Kent has a right to live any way he wants? No. You see, Kent only has a right to live for God. He only has a right to live for Christ. And he can't just do anything he wants with his life. He has to serve Christ if he belongs to Christ, right? 
So let me ask the next question. If Kent can't live any way he wants, can Kent die any way he wants? Is that his freedom to choose that? Not any more than living any way he wants. Because you see, I don't belong to me. The Lord purchased me with a price. The price was the murder of His Son. And He purchased me with the murder of His Son. That paid for me. I belong to Him. And I don't have a right to destroy this body because it's His. It's not mine. There are many passages in Scripture that talk about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, you're the temple of God. So don't destroy the temple of God. You don't belong to you. You don't have a right to do whatever you want with your body. As a Christian, you belong to God. The same thing is true about suicide. I don't have a right to say, well, you know what, God? I'm done. I'm out of here. You know what, God? I know that you may think I'm going to die a certain way, or you may plan for me to die a certain way, but I'm not okay with that, so I'm going to end my life this way. You see, I don't have that right. Assisted suicide is the same thing. In fact, did you know in the Bible there are two cases of assisted suicide? Do you know that? Abimelech. And Abimelech got a woman pushed a stone over and crushed his head, and he wasn't dead. And he begged a guy to kill him so nobody would say a woman had killed him. Okay, And so this guy killed him. The other one was King Saul. And King Saul had a failed attempt at suicide, and a guy comes along and he begs the guy to kill him. And the guy does. The Amalekite. And he goes and he tells David what he did. And you know what David, the man after God's own heart, did? He executed the man who killed Saul. You see, we get warped and we get twisted in this world that we live in. We get to thinking about us and about what we want. And everything's got to be about about being comfortable and about life being the way I ought to be. And and that's really why we don't live for God, isn't it? I mean, things would be better if I lied a little bit on my taxes and therefore I had a little bit more money left over. So I'll do that because I want to be more comfortable. Things would be better if I stole this, I took that, because then I'd have it and I could use it and my life would be a little better. Things would be better if and fill in the blank of whatever it is that people do. And you know, the truth is, your life may be a little more comfortable right now, but it's not better. It's not better to stand against God. It's never better. And the same is true when it comes to the end of our life. It's not merciful to kill someone, to take the life of someone who is an image bearer of God. That's holy to God. It's something that is important to God. And He has taken great pains to explain that to us. Now... had a few other things I want to talk about, wanted to talk about, but I think I'm going to stop right there. I think I want to ask you this question. Have you ever committed murder? Have you ever killed someone? 
I used to, when I was doing Bible studies with people, we get down, sometimes people will object and they'll say, well, you know, I've just done too many bad things. And I used to say, well, you never killed anyone, did you? And one time I said that and the guy goes, yeah. And he had committed murder. I didn't know what to say at the time. I've thought about it since then and I have an answer now. First off, I changed my question. Okay, my, my question now is, well, you never killed anybody just because they were Christians, did you? No one's ever said yes to that one. But if they do, I know what I'm going to say. Well, you're, congratulations, you're as wicked as the Apostle Paul. Because he killed people just because they were Christians. Did you know that Jesus came to forgive murderers? You remember when He was being murdered and hanging on the cross and He looked down at the people who were killing Him? Do you remember what He said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Jesus forgave Paul. Stephen, as he was being murdered, looked to heaven and saw the Lord on the right hand of the Father. And he said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. Have you murdered anyone? Have you hated anyone? Far as God, you're guilty of murder. Have you been unjustly angry with anyone? God came to forgive that. He came to forgive all of that, no matter how egregious or how plain it is. God came to forgive that because He loves you and He loves me. We bear His image. He came to forgive. He calls you to repent. Paul wasn't forgiven while he was still killing Christians. He was forgiven when he repented and turned away from it. And I call you as a Christian today to repent. Repent of hating people. Repent of being angry at people without cause. And certainly repent of killing people. Don't do that. Accept the forgiveness and the love of God and realize that all of His commands have a very great and deep spiritual meaning. They're not just some outwardly, okay, don't kill anybody, you can all go home now. But he's talking about who you are as a person. And set your heart to love those who bear the image of God instead of hate and despise and kill and take advantage of and abuse those people. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've learned something this morning. And if your heart isn't right and you need some prayer, you need to become a Christian, whatever your needs are, we offer a song of invitation if you'll make that known as we stand and sing.